But since I had already decided it was going to be my best trace ever, I brushed it off and kept on moving. When I finished and looked at my watch, I realized that despite all the things that went wrong that I could have gotten all worked up about, I beat my time from the year previous. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance, where we talk about how you can learn to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Kim Peek, and this week, the week of June 24th, is National Triathlon Week. This is the final show of five, all focused on triathlon. I've added videos and posts about triathlon on my other social media, and you can follow me on all social media, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Facebook, and YouTube as Power of Run. Also visit my website, www.crushingmygoals.com. There is a tab at the top called Free Resources, and you might just find something helpful there. I have a lot of resources there. On Monday, I told you about how my friends and I got started in triathlon many years ago. Tuesday, I talked about the biggest obstacles or excuses that I hear people give when they tell me why they just can't do a try. And on Wednesday, I shared tips for master's athletes. I called it my three S words that you need to know to excel as a master's athlete or an athlete 40 plus. On Thursday, I answered your questions about triathlon terms, rules, and the things that you don't necessarily think to ask until it happens. And now today, the final episode in this series is all about the things you need to know for race week. So let's get started. As race week approaches, your training plan will have a taper. The length of the taper will vary, but generally it's one to three weeks of reduced training volume so that your body can recover from the training load that you've just put it through. And that helps you be prepared so that you can do your absolute best on race day. Taper week tends to drive athletes crazy because they've spent so much training that they don't know what to do with all that extra energy and all that extra time that they suddenly have on their hands. This is where you will want to resist the urge to go out and get in an extra long run or an extra long ride. Trust your plan and trust your coach. Know that if you've mostly followed your plan, let's say about 85% of the workouts you actually followed through and did the scheduled workouts, you will be ready for race day. Any additional training that you do at this point that is not part of your training plan is going to work against you. You won't get any of the additional training effect, but it will make your body tired. Taper time is recovery time. And if you've learned anything this week throughout triathlon week, I hope that you understand the importance of rest and recovery. It really is your best friend along with consistency, which you will have if you've done the majority of your workouts. The night before your race, you want to have a light meal and some carbs and not a whole lot of fiber, probably for obvious reasons. You want to make sure it's something that you've tried before and that your stomach handles it. So ideally what you do is you plan some practice meals throughout your training cycle. So if you're eating a meal similar to what you would plan to have the night before your race, and then you would train at about the same time as your race the following day so that as far as digestion goes, you've had something pretty similar to see how your stomach handles that particular meal. And then you want to try to have something very, very similar on race day and race morning. 
You also want to plan out your race day nutrition and you want to think about what you want to eat that morning and what you want to consume while you're racing. What you eat and drink for a sprint try is not nearly as critical as how you would plan out your nutrition for a half Ironman or an Ironman. And I am going to bring a nutrition expert on the show very soon to talk about how to fuel for longer races. And I'm really excited about this interview. For a sprint, I usually eat the way I would before a half marathon. A little bit of peanut butter on a banana before I leave home. And then a gel about 30 minutes before the race start. I also like to chew some run gum until right before I get into the water. And then, of course, very carefully spit it out someplace so that I am not littering or creating a big mess for somebody to step in. There are also lots of opinions about what fluids you need on the bike. And some of the more hardcore people will tell you to leave the water bottle off the bike for a sprint. With the logic being that it weighs your bike down and you want your bike as light as possible so that you can go faster. I disagree with that advice and believe that the bike is a great place to get some fluids. You might be parched or you just might feel like your mouth is just so, so dry after breathing through your mouth during the swim. And the bike is a great relaxed place to drink before you start your run. Just an easy place to drink. You might need to practice that drinking grabbing your wherever your water bottle is, practice grabbing that bottle, but it is just a good place to get those fluids if you can swing the reaching for your bottle and drinking. Plus, by the time you start the run, depending on where you're racing, it could be very, very hot a couple of hours into this, depending on how long you've had to wait in the morning for your wave to start. And you don't want to start out your run dehydrated. You probably don't need anything with calories for this distance, but you might want some fluids with electrolytes. And I personally am not a fan of the brand name drinks with artificial colors that are frequently served on race courses. So depending on the situation, I like products from Scratch Labs, Noon, and Tailwind. Which ones I choose might depend on how much sweetness I want, and if I need calories versus only electrolytes. You can talk to other triathletes and visit your bike and run shops just to try out products, buy smaller size samples, and see what works for you. There's Everybody has an opinion on this, and I like the cleaner products and the ones that don't have as many of the artificial colors and artificial flavorings, but that's just my personal preference. If you don't mind what they're serving on the course, or you just are planning to drink only water, there's almost always aid stations on the run course, and you can always get fluids there as well. Yesterday, I covered a little bit about packet pickup. Remember that you can only you can pick up your packet. Many races have a race day packet pickup, and you can get your packet the morning of the race. I prefer to get mine a day or two before whenever packet pickup is first opened so that I have time to read any final instructions that might be included, maybe about traffic or parking or look up any maps that they have about transition. I just like to have time to read and digest that information. These days, a lot of that information is found online and it's also emailed to racers, but I just like to have that packet in my hand so that I have time to think about what is going on and think through my morning. I also just like to be prepared. And if they are using Tri-Tats, which is a brand of temporary tattoos that you 
would put on your arm and on your body that has your race number on it. I like to have my tats on my body before I leave my house so that I have less to do at the race. At some point, either at packet pickup or when you arrive at the race, you're also going to be given a timing chip. And unlike a 5K or a half marathon or a marathon where the chip is part of your bib these days, you don't swim with a paper bib. So you need a timing chip and it needs to be in a form that's not going to fall apart in the water. And so your chip is something that comes on a band that goes around your ankle with Velcro. You wrap it around, not so tight that it's uncomfortable, but tight enough that you don't need to worry about it going anywhere. And this stays on your leg for the rest of the day, so you want to make sure that you're comfortable with it. I talked yesterday at great length about how to set up your transition spot, so I'm not going to go into a ton of detail there. But one question that always comes up on race day is, how does my bike go on this rack? Every race, you have a bunch of people standing there all arguing about the direction the bike goes on the rack. So if you're facing your number at the rack, your wheel is going to go down on the side where your number is, and the other wheel is obviously up. Remember also that depending on the race, you typically have about the amount of space as a hand towel, maybe slightly more. So practice at home so you can figure out where all your things go. You don't want to be all sprawled out like you're moving in and camping over for the night. When it's time for the swim, you will usually line up by your projected swim time. Some races ask you ahead of time for your 500-yard or 500-meter swim time when you sign up for a sprint. Others do it on the honor system. Sometimes you're going to line up by age group and gender or by your estimated swim time. Let's say you are starting off with with your age group and it's a mass swim start. That can cause a lot of anxiety for people. Everybody jumping into the lake all at the same time because we've all heard those horror stories about people swimming on top of you or getting kicked in the face. If this is the only option and you are worried, there is nothing wrong with staying toward the back and being one of the last to enter the water. When there's a start that goes by age group and gender, everybody goes in at the same time and you can hold back or you can choose to start on either side or up in front. You get to pick. What has happened lately though is a lot of triathlons are going to starts where the group is lined up and they have one person at a time enter. Again, it might still be lined up by age group, but you go one person at a time. They'll start swimmers with maybe 5, 10, 15 seconds between each other, just enough to space people out so they're not all bunched up on top of each other. This does space everybody out, but it doesn't prevent everybody from getting bunched up at some point because there are swimmers who are faster than others. But since it's chip-timed, the timer knows when you cross the start and the finish lines, so it doesn't matter if you're starting in in the back of the pack. It just doesn't matter exactly where you start. And it causes a lot less anxiety if you are out of that massive group swimming on top of other people or in such close proximity to other people. Now, when you're swimming, also remember that if you suddenly panic or someone does smack you in the face, try to relax and focus on breathing. And then that will help you get your heart rate down. If you're still feeling panicked, You can always tread water or float on your back or breaststroke until you feel ready to continue. 
don't worry about anybody laughing at you. This happens to everyone at some point. Everybody has gotten into the water and panicked at some point. So you aren't the first person. You certainly won't be the last. If you do feel like your heart is pounding out of your chest shortly after the start, it could be because you started out too fast. Tell yourself to slow your stroke and focus on breathing for a while. It can even help take your mind off your heart rate if you start counting strokes and counting your breaths, just keeping your mind off your heart rate, and eventually that is going to start to come down. Throughout your open water swim training, you'll probably also notice that you have to learn how to sight. Since you're no longer in a nice clear pool following a line that makes it easy to know exactly if you're going straight, And you might be in water that's a little bit murky. Where I live, it is almost like swimming in mud. It's pathetic. You will go off course if you aren't sighting. The swim course is marked by buoys. And then you have to go from buoy one buoy to the next until you finish the course. The race director will inform you of the route. You'll probably have a... It'll be one of the maps that you have in your packet more, more than likely. But your race director will tell you what the route is at the race director briefing, which is often the day before or the morning of the race. And they'll go over all the things that you need to know. Unless you're the first in the water, though, you're going to have a chance to see how it's done. You'll be able to watch groups before you follow the course. You'll know what direction to go. You'll see what the path is. But you cannot always see from buoy to buoy clearly without lifting your head clear out of the water And then every time you do that, what does that do to your body? It makes your feet sink and it's going to slow you down. And you've been practicing in this pool and you've gotten fast with great form, with your body in alignment. So it's going to slow you down when you pick up your head. So one thing that people do is you learn to sight by looking at a landmark. So you know where the buoys are and then you, instead of looking for the buoy, which is slightly above your head level... You're looking at maybe a tree or a landmark off in the distance that is slightly behind that buoy. So that's one tip for you. You want to try to go in the straightest line because if it's a 500 meter or 500 yard race and you have not been practicing your sighting, you're going to overswim. And that's going to increase your time for the swim, which isn't a big deal as long as you are confident in the water and you're prepared to swim a little bit longer. It's always an adventure going off course. I actually swam in circles once and I kept on hearing this lifeguard yelling and finally I popped my head up long enough to realize I had been swimming in some weird circle. The crazy things that you do. When it's time to get on the bike, you need to stay off your bike at all times while in transition. Remember, you walk or jog your bike in and out of the transition area. While riding, remember that you pass on the left, just like you would if you were driving a car, and drafting is not allowed in the bike portion, but you're always allowed to draft in the swim. Drafting is where you tuck your bike behind someone else and take advantage of that windbreak. So when you're swimming and you're drafting and you're right behind somebody's feet, they're breaking through for you and you are able to swim much faster if you can get on the tail of somebody else who swims about your pace. Drafting on the bike, though, is not allowed. The drafting zone is the equivalent of three bike lengths and you have to stay three bike lengths behind the person in front of you. 
When it comes time to pass, you pass on the left and you must pass within 15 seconds. And the person being passed then has to drop back and allow you to pass. If you're caught violating this rule, there's a time penalty, just like we discussed yesterday. It depends on the amount of time, depends on the distance of your race and if it's your first, second, or third violation. But don't stress too much about getting this exactly right. Just do your best. It usually just works itself out. But try not to draft, but don't really overstress about it. Just go out and have fun. I've talked quite a bit this week already about the run. The most important thing is to have fun. This is a good opportunity while you're running to finally smile a bit, relax a bit, and spend time encouraging others on the course, especially if it looks like someone else is having a rough day. Drink if you get thirsty, walk if you feel like it, but when it's time to cross the finish line, take some time to soak up the atmosphere. Listen for your name to be called. A lot of times they'll announce you as you cross the finish line. Listen for your name. Listen for your friends' names. Hear the people cheering and enjoy the moment. Once you cross that line, someone will take the chip off your leg and you'll probably be handed a bottle of water. If you feel like you're going to pass out if you stop moving, don't come to a dead stop. Tell the assistants that are taking off the chips that you need to keep walking and then go back to have your chip removed after you're able to stand still for a couple of seconds without falling over. Sometimes you've just worked so hard to get to that finish line that it's hard to come to that complete stop for long enough for somebody to take your chip off. Somewhere along that path on the exit chute, you'll also get your medal. Take time to celebrate, take pictures, and show off that medal. You worked hard for that medal. At most races, you can go check your official time a few minutes after you finish. There's usually an official timing tent with people at computers. So you just walk up and you show them your number. They print off a ticket that gives you your splits for the swim, bike, and run, and for each transition. You should be able to get an idea at that point whether or not you have the potential to place. You know, if it says you're in 20th place out of your age group, you're not going to be on the podium that day. But if you're already maybe in the top one or two, that doesn't guarantee that you're going to be top one or two because remember, people are starting all over the place and you don't know if there's somebody that's coming in after you who might still beat you. Again, it's all about having fun. But if you do place, you want to make sure that you stick around until everyone finishes so you get your chance to stand on that podium. Because when you do get to stand and get your medal and be recognized, it is pretty cool. Either way, it's fun to stay until the end and cheer for the last people to finish the, cross the finish line. Another interesting thing about that, though, is that because races start in waves and often by age group and gender, the, the people crossing the finish line last aren't necessarily the slowest people in the race. So it's not one of those things where if you're already worried about standing out as the last person to finish or the slowest person to finish, it's not going to be as easy to tell where you place by where where you cross the finish line. So just have fun, be proud of your accomplishment, and, and try not to fixate on all of the things that people get hung up about when you're going out, pushing yourself, trying to beat yesterday, and just challenging yourself to be a better person. 
No matter what, and I know I keep saying this, get out and have fun. Focus on doing your personal best. Try not to stress about all the little things that go wrong throughout the day. The summer I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I was determined to crush all my races. And I just, I don't know, I went into every race with just this attitude that I was going to be unstoppable. One race, I crashed my bike when I slid on some gravel, but I had already decided that this was going to be my very best race. So I popped right back up and I only noticed that I was bleeding. I had a great big scrape on my arm. Only noticed I was bleeding once I was on my way again. Less than a minute later, my chain slipped off, probably as a result of my wipeout. So I had to stop and fix my chain. I dealt with that as quickly as possible and then kept moving right toward the finish. When it was time to run, I realized suddenly that my ribs hurt from the fall that I took. But since I had already decided it was going to be my best race ever, I brushed it off and kept on moving. When I finished and looked at my watch, I realized that despite all the things that went wrong that I could have gotten all worked up about, I beat my time from the year previously on that same course. So it was a course PR for me. Positivity and optimism pay off. Expect to have a great day and let the little things just roll right off of you. I would love to hear your triathlon stories and your questions. Email me at coachkim at thepowerofrun.com and tell me all about your triathlon experience. Tell me your stories. If you liked these episodes, I would love it if you would share them and also take the time to rate and review on iTunes. That really does help me get this podcast in front of more people. And I love spreading my endurance knowledge, my triathlon and fitness knowledge, and hopefully helping people have a greater life. You are all amazing, and I hope to see you all on a race course soon. Enjoy your weekend, and I will talk to you next week with not quite as many episodes. Have a great weekend. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I'm Coach Kim Peek of Power of Run, and you can find me at www.crushingmygoals.com or on all social media as at sign power of run. If you liked this episode, be sure to give the podcast some love over on iTunes and remember to subscribe. As a new podcast, your reviews and stars and subscribes will help me grow the audience so that I can share my love of health and fitness and bring more experts to the show. Power up your week and I will catch you next Tuesday.